0: Hello, Two Principles Podcast Listeners. We are so grateful for all the support and appreciate you checking in with us wherever you listen to your podcast. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate review our podcast. You can also follow us on all of our social media accounts: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Two Principles. Check us out on the web at twoprinciples.com. We are so grateful for our Two Principles Podcast partners. HealthWise Behavioral Health
1: and Wellness, as a team of experienced licensed psychologists, clinical therapists, medical professionals, and mind-body practitioners, HealthWise offers a wide range of mental health services for individuals of all ages. HealthWise is grounded in a philosophy that considers the whole person. We are excited to record our Two Principles podcast from the beautiful HealthWise Yoga and Wellness Studio located right here in Maple Grove, Minnesota.
0: We want to thank Green Boy Brand for helping us design our two principles, artwork and logo. They can help you customize your brand. If you're looking for an artwork, design, or logo, or some cool merchandise, check them out at greenboybrand.com. They have done work for schools, businesses, sports organizations, and everything in between. When you go with Green Boy, you're choosing to get a personal touch rather than a cookie cutter look. Welcome to the Two Principles Podcast, where we help you get out of your head and into your heart. The Two Principles Podcast, life and leadership talk inside and out. A better you makes for a better today. It starts with you.
2: I'm Craig Dexheimer, and I'm hanging with the Two Principles. I was part of this program to bring dogs from Puerto Rico to Maple Grove into Boston, and our Australian Shepherd had passed away, and our boys were like, hey, we need another dog. And Saw her on Facebook, and the boys were like, what do you think? And uh, there we go. So was, was it
1: uh, displaced from like a hurricane or something?
2: It was or... uh, down there a lot of dogs uh, are stray dogs. Okay. They call them running around on the island. But yeah. really for her, it was a family that was moving from one apartment complex to another that had to give her up. Okay. So,
0: yeah. Hey, what about a uh, if you had a walk-up song? What would be the Craig, Dimer, Craig Dexheimer walk-up song?
2: Yeah, you know, it would have to be Wild Side by Motley Crue. So it's a, it's a great song. I thought about that. You know, if you're a Major League Baseball player, what song are you going to walk up to? And I think just the guitar and just the energy that that brings, that would be my walk-up song. Little drums in the there background we go. there.
0: Playing a little Wild Side for you, buddy, you as you get introduced base. here, here we my go. friend. We're going Wild Side. We're a right. crew. Are going to be confetti song? cannons that <laughs> come out and
2: like smoke machines? And
0: That's next week's That's episode. That's next week. All right. There you go, my friend. That's your walk-up song into the two principles. So, hey, Kev, are you ready to go here, buddy? <laughs> we are all set, man. Hey, let's, let's go this. spread some good out to the podcast universe. Hey, it's that time. Hello, and welcome to today's show. As always, super excited to be here today with my good friend, Kevin. And I got to tell you, super, super excited to have A friend, uh, Craig Dexheimer, in the studio today. Super excited to hear from him. I'm Jason Paris. I'm Kevin Jost. And we are the Two Principles, the Two Principles podcast, where we prioritize leadership, work-life balance, stress management, and mental health. Our goal is to equip everyday leaders with practical tools to maintain their overall health and live out a more balanced and fulfilling life. Thanks for tuning in today as we continue on this journey towards a healthier and happier you. One step at a time, one conversation at a time.
1: Hey, every episode, we will stay true to the two principles purpose. We will consider the impact of our words and actions. We will be in the moment. We will stay present. We're going to give it our best today.
0: And of course, we are always going to try to have a little bit of fun. Hey, mailbag time. Do you have any, uh, did you see any, I haven't even really had a chance to check our our uh, email. Um, Anything? Nothing, nothing. Uh, Earth-shattering. Nothing earth-shattering no. coming out of there? That's no. nothing. Okay, well, again, if you have questions for Kevin or myself or the Two Principles here, please email us at podcast at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to answer your questions. So we have a Two Principles online merch store that we're trying to kick off and get going and uh, get people to. But one of the things that we wanted to do with this is we wanted to figure out a way, how could we give back to the community, give back to people? And so one of the things we're doing with that is anybody who orders merchandise during the time, our guests and Craig here today is um, has selected the March of Dimes, March of Babies for a charity. Um, and tell us a little bit about that, Craig, why you selected that. Because I know a little bit about that, but I know our listeners don't.
2: Yeah, well, first off, thank you guys for... The generosity for what you're going to do here. And I think it's outstanding that you guys are going to give back uh, for all the profits that are raised from the two principal store. So that's outstanding. So thank you so much for that. The March of Dimes has played a very impactful role in our lives. Our second son, William, was born uh, 18 and a half years ago, uh, extremely prematurely. He was born at 24 weeks gestation, one pound, three ounces when he arrived into this world. So That's 19 ounces. So the next time you're at the grocery store, take a look at four sticks of butter, and that's how much Will weighed when he came Mm -hmm. into this world. So it was a shock to us. It was a surprise. And what we realized was that the morning he was born, he was administered a drug called surfactant. And surfactant is a lubricant for a baby's lungs. And when a baby is born prematurely, their lungs stick together, which is why they can't breathe. So from that standpoint, we said, wow, the March of Dimes, surfactant really, I think to this point, help Will survive and thrive to this point. So we said, let's give back. So over the last 18 years, we've had a family team, uh, Strong Will decks, and we have raised over $68,000 for the March of Dimes. And then in 2006, there was a golf tournament for United Health Group. I had worked at United Health Group at the time, and they said, hey, we want to do a charity golf outing in honor of Will for all the money to go to the March of Dimes. That raised $114,000. So Over the last 18 years, we've raised $182,000 and counting for the March of Dimes. And if we can give back and have people give back so others don't have to go through this, what we went through, then it's a success. So, yeah, thank you guys for doing that.
0: And I would say two things. And Kevin and I have talked about this. So one is, yeah, any merchandise purchased from uh, May 17th through May 30th will be sent to uh, the March of Dimes March for Babies. Uh, And Willie D, Uh, Willie D's in my heart. I love Willie D. I've known Willie D since he's been a little kid. So again, any uh, merchandise that is purchased during that time will go directly towards uh, the March of Dimes, uh, March for Babies. And if some people have asked us, Kevin, hey, if we don't want to purchase any of our merch, which is fine, they can just go directly to the March of Dimes, March for Babies, and just donate it right there. Absolutely. We're not. We are just saying, hey, uh, we do have a merch store. We like it. Our moms were the ones pu- pushing us on this one, yeah. so we do have the merch store.
1: We by no means are um, you know, looking to get rich off of no. selling hoodies. We just <laughs> thought it would be a cool way to try and raise a little bit of money for different organizations um, throughout this whole process. So
0: every little bit helps. Yep. So again, the, the profits uh, for those orders, May 17th through May 30th, will be sent to March of Dimes, March for Babies, and all clothing orders will be delivered to individuals the week of June 19th. And so we are excited about that. So thank you, Craig. So hey, let's formally introduce this guy here. Let's do this. All right, here we go. We are excited to have Craig
1: Dexheimer uh, here with us uh, with two principals. Chief Operating Officer, Data Privacy and Security Officer for Global Tax Network. He currently leads the firm's Managing Director's operations, and the firm's finance, technology, and human resources functions. He's also responsible for overseeing the global tax network initiatives associated with data privacy and security. Craig's professional experience includes playing key leadership roles in entrepreneurial firms, a Fortune 5 organization, and Arthur Anderson, where he started his career. His foundation in public accounting provides a metric-driven mindset that supplements his operations and human resources expertise. He has also been affiliated with wellness programs that have received international attention and accolades, including the Mayo Clinic's First ever study of on the thesis of movement and activity while working. Craig was awarded the 2023 OnCon Icon Top 10 COO Award out of 225 COO finalists from around the globe. It is always great to learn from other leaders. We want to welcome Craig. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on today's Two Principles show. That yeah. was a mouthful.
2: Jason, Boom. Kevin, thank you guys. It's <laughs> great to be here live in studio. Yeah.
0: Hey, fired up. And hey, by the way, congratulations. We're going to talk a little bit more uh, later on, but about that, uh, the 2023 OnCon Icon Top 10 COO Award. That's awesome. That's just uh, very well-deserving for you. But before that, we always have a random question of the show. So, So last week's question was a household chore that you dislike the most. So just let's really quickly, what's a household chore that you just like absolutely... I don't even want to, you know, I don't want to do that.
2: Yeah, it's picking up sticks and branches in the yard. (laughs) And I tell you what, we have these river birch trees in our backyard that we didn't plant. They were there when we moved in. And I was looking out at the yard uh, coming up. We're planning a graduation party for Willie D coming up here in about a month. And I looked, and there's a lot of sticks that need to be picked up. So I would have to say for me, I mean, it's good. You get steps, your movement, your activity out there, but... I just don't like to do that. Yeah. And neither do my boys because when I ask them to do that, all of a sudden they're like, "Dad, I got to run to the store or I've got some other big plans to do." So, uh,
0: that's funny. All right. So, this week's episode's question of the show is, if you could switch lives with anyone from a band for a day, who would it be and why?
2: Wow, that is an absolutely amazing question. <laughs> I've never been asked that question before. And Jason, you know, that's not a huge live music guy. Yes. I've been to 153 concerts oh, wow. uh, and, and counting. Just bought Pearl Jam tickets last night Jeez. for, uh, they're coming to town here this fall. I would have to say it would be Getty Lee from Rush.
0: Wow, okay. And
2: I think part of that was Rush was the first band I ever saw live, Alpine Valley, 1991, the Presto Tour. But I remember going there as a junior in high school and just seeing the energy that they brought to the crowd and just the vibe that they brought, and it was something that I'll never forget. And the power that that band had over the crowd and the people and the energy was so amazing. And I'll never forget. I can remember the smells and the sights and the lasers. You know, there's certain. It's those core memories, and we'll talk about you know those memories. Mm-hmm coming up, but I would say it'd be Getty Lee from Rush.
0: Awesome. Uh, that, that's really cool. And, and I, I picked that question specifically for you, New, and you were coming on the show. I didn't tell you about it, but I know you're a big music lover, big band guy, and you've been to all those concerts, and I've been to many concerts with you too, so that's been awesome. Hey, Kevin, what about you? <laughs> Who would you say? <laughs> I you don't even t- know. <laughs> I
1: You know me. I'm not a huge I, music guy. Yeah. I'm not a concert guy. I I, I don't even know. Yeah. Willie Nelson, hey, like, hey that's sweet. Willie Nelson. Yeah, it'd be
2: like you know. Oh, for one day, nice it's oh, the, kind yeah. of what, it, what
1: it's like to have that much hair. You know, like, <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know. I know. I was thinking about this too, and there's two that popped in my head. One would be Slash from Guns N' Roses. Mm-hmm. I was huge back in the day. Big GNR fan. Obviously, seen them in concert. But the other one that uh, pops in my head. Just because I grew up with David Lee Roth. Oh, sure. But the Van Halen, David Lee Roth, Van Halen, and David Lee Roth. I think that would be super cool too. So, um, yeah. Hey, thanks for playing along with the uh, random question of the show. That's good. Now That's, we know a little <laughs> bit more about. Yeah, Greg. I,
2: I love that you guys do that. I think it's awesome with this show that you ask that random question. I and thank you for the information and the questions to get my mind thinking about this. I was nervous about that question. I didn't know where it was going to go, what <laughs> you were going to ask, so I feel a sense of relief right good, now. Good, now, like,
1: now we can get into the real stuff. That's right. Okay, so let's let's jump in. Why don't you, uh, Craig, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where'd you grow up, um, how'd you get into your current position, and then we'll get into you know being the CEO of Global Tax Network and, and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. I'll take you all the way back to Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I know, Kevin, you're a Wisconsin guy. I am. And, yep. Born and raised in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, a small town halfway between Milwaukee and Green Bay on Lake Michigan, known for Kohler Toilets and Faucets and Johnsonville Brats, and uh, grew up there and uh, graduated from high school back in 1992 from Sheboygan. And leading up to that was my first job at Sheboygan Pine Hills Country Club, which was an opportunity for me to caddy and then also work in the bag room uh, with some significant individuals that have had an impact on my life. Uh, But also what was impactful was the Evans Scholarship, and I was awarded that Evans Scholarship. It's the nation's largest privately funded Caddy Scholarship, which we can talk about in a minute. But Mm -hmm. from that standpoint, then, yes, moved up to uh, Minnesota, came to the Carlson School of Management, and received an accounting degree from Carlson School. Had an internship at Arthur Anderson back in 1995 and then moved over there full time out of school uh, doing audit and tax. And then uh, after two years, realized that that's not what I wanted to do with my career. And I moved into more of a recruiting HR and operations role at Anderson. And then a couple years later, uh, there was the Enron situation that took place. Mm -hmm. And within three months, 30,000 people across the country were displaced And I was one of the last people to walk out of the office in downtown Minneapolis, uh, and Deloitte was acquiring our office. So as you can imagine, in three months, we're having a brand new baby. Uh, My career, I'm potentially losing my job. So there was a lot of change that was (laughs) happening there. Went over to United Health Group at that time and was at UHG for seven years. And I'll never forget uh, Bob Dapper, one of my mentors. He was a partner at Arthur Anderson at uh, at the time when I was hired was then the vice president of human resources for human capital over at United Health Group. And he said, hey, Dex, come on over. We'll find you a job. And found me a job. And next thing you know, I was managing a $225 million benefits budget right out of the gates. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, okay, (laughs) um, nothing like being thrown into the wolves in the fire. But that was a great experience. Then after that, after seven years, moved over to a startup financial consulting firm in Minneapolis where I headed up their ops there. And that's where I was part of the Mayo Clinic study. On movement and activity at work, and then uh, have been at United Health Group after United Health Group Salo, and then Global Tax Network, where I'm at now, and uh, just a phenomenal organization headquartered here in Maple Grove. Mm-hmm. We have people sprinkled all across the United States. We can work in over 140 different countries, and coming up on my 10 year anniversary with GTN. So just a, a fun.
0: God, has it really been 10? Career, it'll be 10 years Jeez. in December, which is hard God. to believe. So time flies. It does. Oh my gosh. Hey, how about uh, a little bit about uh, your experience being the CEO COO of Global Tax Network? So tell listeners kind of what that role looks like. What's your maybe day-to-day and, um, yeah, how you're doing yeah. it?
2: It's, it is a role that evolves. It's never the same every day. And it might be in the spring when we're planning different elements for our annual conference coming up. And this year we're celebrating our 20th anniversary, which is really 2030. 20- three now because we were going to do this before the pandemic. We're taking sure. everyone to Colorado. We're going to go out to Breckenridge for our annual conference. So planning that uh, legal contracts. We are very close to locking down two very large new opportunities for our business. So working on the master services agreement and the contracts coming up in fall, we'll do all of our health benefit planning and working with our benefits broker and, you know, looking at what do we need to do to change for health benefits for our employees and, and, Health and wellness, or what do we need to do? What are other organizations doing for their employees? So looking at that, uh, working with our managing directors across the country, um, just looking at how do we grow the firm? The data privacy aspect, working on all the elements of our data privacy, passing data back and forth over to the EU and the GDPR, which is this privacy um, compliance program that they have in the EU for just making sure data's passed private. So it really depends on the day, uh, which is fun. It's exciting. But then sometimes you wake up like yesterday. There are a couple of surprises that got thrown in, and it's like, well, I wasn't planning on doing that, but that's okay. It's really exciting, and we're growing, and it's been a, it's been a great organization.
1: Are you traveling?
2: Right now, um, I'll I'll be traveling probably about three to four times a year. I okay. would say it depends, uh, and as you can imagine. Our focus is on mobility tax, so people that are traveling abroad for international assignment, cross-border tax. Let's say you're going to go and do the Two Principles podcast from Amsterdam sure. for a couple months. There we right? go. There we go. We're doing it. <laughs> you're going to need to have some tax consultation. You're when our you're, guy. When you're over there. I've, I've <laughs> you're got, our guy. I've, I've got a great firm. <laughs> you're you coming with to us, him. too. <laughs> That's right. Um so from that standpoint, as you can imagine, the global pandemic had a significant impact on our business sure. because global travel came to a halt, essentially, right? So we are starting to see a significant uptick in authorizations, people being put back on international assignments. So it's uh, it's great to be in this spot where we're at and we're seeing a significant uptick again in international travel.
0: Mm, cool. Very interesting job that Craig has in, in leading and all that stuff, and we're going to get into a lot more of that about his leadership style and uh, just the whole health and wellness aspect mm-hmm. of it because that's what our show is all about. We really want to help people or give people some ideas on how they can um, get better at what they're doing and go inside and, um, grow, and, and grow. Hey, uh, Craig, the Evans Scholarship, like like. Uh, Kevin, if I say to the Evans Scholarship, she doesn't know what that I have is. no so, idea. So what's the Evans Scholarship, and, and how did that impact your life?
2: Yeah, it had a significant impact on my life. And my neighbor, Jim Schmall, at the time when I lived in Sheboygan, was caddying at Sheboygan Pine Hills Country Club. And when he told me that he was on a full-ride housing and tuition scholarship at the University of Madison, I'm like, I need to learn more about what this Evans Scholarship really is. So Pine Hills Country Club... Right up the street from where I uh, grew up, started caddying at seventh grade, and went up there and started looping. I would make six dollars and fifty cents for a round on a good day. I'd get a two dollar and fifty tip. Sometimes three bucks. You get a Snickers and a Coke at the turn. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> right. That was in the morning. Then I would go back out and do it again in the afternoon. So maybe make you know twenty bucks, and then we'd pick the range by hand. That was before we had the cart to pick the range oh, balls. My God. And they would pay us four dollars in cash. <laughs> and I'd usually split it with a buddy by his name is Jason Loux. And we'd go out there and we pick the range for two hours by hand and each get two bucks. So I'd walk home <laughs> with $25 in cash that I would put in a little a little golf ball box. Um, but, but seventh in, grade. That's seventh grade, right? Oh, you know, that's good. Uh, and here's what was cool about it. I was caddying for the founder of Johnsonville Brats. I was caddying <laughs> for family members of the Kohler Company and just these very impactful business mm-hmm. leaders. So what I learned along the way was about building relationships and customer service and what do you do when someone throws a golf club at you, right? I mean, how do you (laughs) react to that? There's a lot of different ways you could react to that. Um, But then what was most amazing about this experience is after two years of caddying, then moved into the pro shop, but then I was awarded the Evans Scholarship. And when I received that letter on Christmas Eve 1991, And it said, congratulations, you've been awarded the Evans Scholarship at the University of Minnesota. And I selected Minnesota really because I wanted to do something different. They had reciprocity, so Mm -hmm. I was able to do that. Right now, uh, there are 22 schools across the country that have this scholarship program. Four years fully paid housing and tuition. Yeah. I would go and register for my classes at the U of M and I would walk out of there and it would say total amount due zero. Wow, I never saw a bill for my college. It was all funded by the Evans Scholarship Program. There's 11,815 alums across the country. The average GPA 3.3, 95% graduation rate, and the amount now that the scholarship is worth is $125,000. So for those that are Jeez, listening,
0: wow.
2: who have children, and it's it's boys, it's girls, it's co-ed, and you are looking for something for your kids to do, find a local country club that supports the Evans Scholarship. You can Google it. You can find clubs and get them out on the course. Mm-hmm. They're going to make some cash, and they have a chance to get a scholarship and scholarship numbers are down. They are actually looking yeah, for yes, more caddies yeah. right now to, mm-hmm. to give the scholarships to. And it's based upon grades. You have to have a strong caddy record, get letters of recommendation from your club. But at the same time, it's amazing. And the network of people across you know yeah. the globe right now that are Evan Scholar alums is, is pretty impactful. In
1: today's age, are kids able to caddy as young as when you started? Is that still...
2: Yep, that still is. It depends on the course. Yeah. The club will make that determination. Um, I actually was part of the Evans Scholarship Selection Committee this year where we selected the scholars that are going to be awarded the program in Minnesota. So sure. we went through the interview process, and the way it works is you go to a country club, uh, the interviewees are up in front of a podium with 100 people in the room, and any question, they could have t- 10 questions of the day that they could ask. So <laughs> they get zero prep, and hmm. that's how they're awarded the scholarship was wow. through that. So, yeah, check it out, the website, is WGAESF.org. It's sponsored by Western Golf Association. They also uh, put on the BMW Championship to oh, raise yeah. money mm-hmm. as well in the uh, in the summer months. So, but it's a for those listening, and you have children that are interested in making some money and a possible amazing scholarship. Check it out. Yeah. We'll make sure
0: to link it. Yeah, we'll link notes. it in the show notes. And I would say too, Craig, is as you're saying that is all the the things that y- that you were taught. By you know going through and caddying and like you said the relationships the work ethic you know if you were to tell kids today you're going to go make two bucks to go pick up some <laughs> golf balls I mean you're getting zero response there right mm. but I think those are the things that people need to understand is that's what that's what that's what helped you with your drive and your passion and to get you where you are today is that work ethic how you treat people relationships all that stuff so yeah what a great opportunity I um, I would definitely wanted to take advantage of that. Yeah that's that's an amazing um, story. Plus that's you're cool.
2: outside you're yeah, walking I yeah. mean you know you were averaging I mean the average course was what 7000 yards so you fit. I would I wish I had a pedometer yeah. back then cuz I would have oh, loved no. to have known how many steps a day I was getting.
0: Oh yeah. And just being, like you said, outside and what the research says about just being outside and being out in nature and all that good stuff.
1: You have to have some amazing stories. Like you just alluded to, what do you do when a
0: golf club is thrown at you? I'm sure you've got some crazy stories. Or I'm, when they throw it into you know, the, uh, the pond. pond. yeah. And hey, like, go get that. Go get that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen clubs snapped over knees. I've seen your golf bags dumped out on the course. Um, yeah, it's uh, probably so this,
0: some language too. Huh? A lot of language <laughs> that would not be appropriate For the two principles podcast, so
1: (laughs) all right, well, that's good. That's good to hear hear a little bit about your background and whatnot.
0: All right, yeah, go ahead. ahead. Uh, When you think of your overall health, Craig, okay, you're thinking of your overall health. What does being a leader in your health and wellness look like to you? You
2: know, for me, it's all about movement. It's about activity, right? I know, Kevin, you're you're a big runner. Yep, and. For me, I have a bucket list, and on that bucket list, it's further down for me personally. But I would love to be able to finish a marathon sometime. However, I just, I just, I'm not a. Ever since high school track, I was a varsity letter winner in high jump. Yeah, I was not a runner. Right, so Mm -hmm. when we'd have to go and run bleachers and go run with the cross country team, it was hard for me. Yeah, Um, but for me personally, it's about movement. It's about activity. It's about staying as active as I possibly can. In order, I mean, I feel like this morning I went out for a walk before I came to the studio, and to have 8,000 steps to start the day, for me, I feel much better. I have more energy. I don't drink coffee in the morning, so for me, that's how I get my energy is just through movement and activity. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about... And a lot of that ties to the Mayo Clinic study that I was part of that we can get to later, but it's just really about... Uh, and within that study, they talked about NEAT, N-E-A-T, which mm-hmm. is Non-Exercise yeah. Activity Thermogenesis. And what that means, it's it's not about not when you sleep, when you eat, and when you're doing sports activities. It's everything else that you're doing, right? Sure. It's standing at work. It's It's parking a little bit further away when you go to Home Depot to go and do your shopping, so you have more steps in between. It's about activity and what you're doing, right? You're going to burn twice as much on the calorie side when you're standing versus when you're sitting. So just those Mm -hmm. little things. So for me personally, it's about activity and movement and just get, that's where I get a lot of my Mm -hmm. energy from.
0: Do you want to talk a little bit more about um, the whole participant in the first walking while you work Mayo Clinic study treadmill desk initiative and how did that come about? Uh, tell the listeners. I'd like to know a little bit more about it. I know you and I've had some conversation about it, but just what that is, how you were involved in it, and what'd you find?
2: Yeah, so this was back when I was at an organization in downtown Minneapolis, a staffing firm called Salo. And the founders of Salo were very focused on doing new things, cutting edge, improvement, innovation, doing new things. And they had connected up with Dr. Jim Levine. He's a chief endocrinologist at the time with Mayo Clinic, focused on diabetes and weight loss and things of that nature. And I had a chance in my role as being the director of operations at the time to really spearhead that initiative. So there were 18 participants in the study. Uh, We were followed for six months. We had to wear these little kind of funky belts that were tied to like a Palm Pilot, if you remember, a Palm Pilots, right? I mean, the technology (laughs) was not very cutting edge for the time it was. But what it was, uh, we had brought in, I believe there were six treadmills that were brought into the office, and then we had one conference room that had four treadmills facing each other so you could have a walking meeting. And we were studied by Dr. Jim Levine. They brought in this egg-shaped body mass index pod that we had to get in every week where it literally was like a vacuum to get the most precise body mass index or BMI. And... It was about what we were eating, what were we were putting into our bodies, but then also about movement and activity at work. So there were days uh, by the sixth month of the study, I was walking probably 10 miles a day at work. Yeah. Right. And at that point, you're trying at that point, you're yeah. like, okay, who can walk the furthest <laughs> and how far can you go? And what I'll tell you is kind of stepping back, it was a great experience. And we were followed by ABC 2020, and it was in the New York Times. It was very cool to be part of that program. But what I learned was It's very difficult in education, right? It'd be tough to have a treadmill desk (laughs) in front of your class when you're speaking to your students. It's just not going to work. And for most office jobs in corporate America, it's not going to work. But what it proved was it's about thinking about activity, energy, moving, 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 and that neat process as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's part of the study. I lost 25 pounds. um, But really what it did was it changed my mentality about wanting to be more active and moving um, but it also talked to profitability. And yeah. that was the, one of the most profitable mm-hmm. points of our history of the firm because people were energized and we were talking about it and everyone felt good about themselves too, right? I think that's part of it is the energy and that the mental health and well-being that ties to corporate America, just like what you're talking about on the podcast here in education. So it was a very cool study to be part of. But again, the practicality of having treadmills everywhere is... Again, you're not what are you gonna do? Put them up in the auditorium (laughs) at Rogers High School. Right. Right. You know,
0: yeah, and just thinking about that though and um creating those positive habits and the things that have come out of that. And I just think of like the standing desks, right? So how many people now, like I look at at where, where we're at, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people now that have the standing desk that go up. So like during the day, they're standing up at their desk rather than sitting down and just they can, the mobility of those things. But just some of the things that have maybe come out of that where they don't have maybe the treadmill, but they have some of the other things. And then like you said, Craig, I think the biggest thing, and that's what, when Kevin and I, when we're on our own personal journey here is how can we get better at what we're, you know, our overall health so that we can be better leaders or better people And I think what you just spoke to that about the energy and you're more efficient and you're probably able to uh, handle stress a little bit better when you are taking care of yourself. And I think that's the biggest thing that that Kevin and I have learned, I think, over this short journey of what we're doing is that there's so many leaders that are burnt out. They're tired. They're fried. They don't want to. They're just they're struggling. So. What you're saying there, I think just hits home to a lot of people. I know, Kevin. it does. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious during the study,
1: did you guys uh, spend time talking amongst yourselves, the people that were part of the study? Did you guys reflect on what it was that you guys were doing? How you were you feeling changes that were happening, or was it just merely the data? Like, yeah, the we, physical data?
2: Good question. We spoke about it often, the eighteen participants a lot about, well, what are you eating? How much weight have you lost? We had to do urine samples. Talk about a strange environment, (laughs) having to do a urine sample a couple of times every month at work, right? That's not something that traditionally happens. But we did talk a lot about it. And one thing that we did, and I think this is a practical application, is we did more walking meetings outside. You guys talk a lot about getting outside, getting into nature, right? Mm -hmm. I love your posts on Instagram where it's a picture of a pond, and yeah. you're, you're out walking. And that's there's a lot to be said about just the change in mindset, mm-hmm. right? For sitting, you know, in, in corporate America, a lot of it is sitting behind a desk and looking at a computer. Education, right, You 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 are in front of students every day. So to have a walking meeting would probably be a little bit more difficult. But let's say you were going to, let's say it's after school, and you had to have a one-on-one with one of your staff. Yep. It's like, why can't you go and head outside, bring a Post-it note and a pen. Do a lap. And just do a lap. Go yeah. around the school. Go hit the track once. That's or great. just mm-hmm. Just to get outside. And I think it's that change of perspective,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? For me, when I need to come up with something different at work, we were thinking about something unique last year for our annual conference. We wanted to do something. And I went outside, sat on the patio, turned on some music, and just I put myself in a different environment, a different space, and that allowed me to have a little bit of a different creative thinking aspect. Mm-hmm. So... Same thing, but what we learned at Salo was, yeah, you can go out, you can do a walk, and instead of having a meeting in a conference room where you're f- sitting across a table, right, you could be out having a stroll, just bring a note, and now you can use your phone for your notes, yeah. right? I use my phone all the time for notes. So Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think it's a great reminder, you know, until we're taking care of ourselves physically and emotionally, all that stuff first, the stuff at work is going to suffer. Well, I would and, say, too, just yeah. some
0: of the cool things that you just mentioned there, Craig, That that's just great. Mm-hmm tidbits or great uh, tools that people could just start using now, right? It doesn't have to be something you have to think about. It's just get up, go walk around, go walk around your space, go outside, whatever. Just those little simple tools, tricks that you told people I think is fantastic. It's a, the
2: change of scenery, the change of perspective. It's a, looking at things in a different light and a different angle, I think just really helps shed light on maybe there's a piece that you're missing, right? Maybe mm-hmm. there's something you're not thinking about getting perspective. So yeah, absolutely. It's good.
1: One of the things that we, we, you know, as you know, we talk a lot about is mental health and really trying to break down the stigma uh, associated with it. And, you know, nobody's going to bat an eye at somebody that says, hey, I'm working on myself physically, right? People admire people that, that are working on themselves physically. Um, And we really, Jason and I think it shouldn't be any different. If you're working on your, your physical health, you should be also working on your mental health. So you know, given that none of us are psychologists um, or therapists, I think it's important to have these conversations. Um, and so we just ask, you know, what is mental health? When you think of mental health, what does that mean to you?
2: Well, first, I wanted to thank both of you for bringing this to the forefront. And I think for me, mental health and having the ability for those of us to be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And to be able to advocate for health, mental health, I think is the critical aspect. I think so many people are afraid to talk about mental health. And I've got some statistics here that we'll share about what's happening in corporate America. But so thank you both for driving this podcast forward to allow for people to feel comfortable. It's a comfortable space to talk about this. And I think that's one of the key aspects to how do we improve where we're going in a direction of mental health, because people just don't talk about it enough, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Take Ted Lasso, the show on Apple (laughs) TV, for example, right? I mean, a lot of people are watching that because it's funny and Jason Sudeikis is hilarious, but really what they're doing is they're trying to make it comfortable for people to understand that it's okay to not be okay, and it's okay to go talk to a therapist and I think that's a very powerful aspect of what Two Principles is trying to do. So thank you first off for doing that. So absolutely for me, it's about in in the world that I work in, right? So when I put my HR hat on from a health and wellness perspective, it's about do our employees have the resources available to them that they need, right? Are we providing them with the employee assistance programs, or the phone numbers, or the websites for them to call when they're in crisis, or when there's something that's not okay in their lives? And as I mentioned, so I reached out to our broker, Marsha McClellan, because they're the ones that are helping us get new ideas around health and wellness and all the different aspects for what we're providing to our employees. And they provided me, and I'd love for you to share this in the notes. There's there's two yes. links to websites that I think, whether you're in education, whether you're in corporate America, whether you're a self-proprietor, that there are two links here that have access for people for free information. Okay. And the first is Mental Health America, and it's mhanational.org. And they did a study. It's called Mind the Workplace, and this is back from 2022. They'll be coming out with more information, and all this information is accessible and free out on the on the web. But what they said is that four in five employees report that workplace stress affects their relationships with friends, family, and coworkers. Mm-hmm. okay? Wow. 56% of those surveyed spent time looking for a new position compared to only 40% back in 2018. So are people, is, is mental health and mental health awareness important for people right now? Absolutely, right? It's such a big deal. And- to be able to talk about it and for people to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I've, I see a therapist and they help me. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have time later, I'd love to talk about a personal board of directors, right? It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. kind of your five to six people that you have in your life that you go to <laughs> that you can rely on and give some thought about that because it's going to make you a better person. And for me... One of those would be um, a therapist or a therapist Mm -hmm. that I have seen in the past because they can give you a different perspective, something that's confidential. Mm -hmm. But I would include them, and it's part of that. And what's interesting is back to that MHA national survey is 34% of employees state that their company's leadership speaks openly about mental health. So one out of three out there are speaking openly about that, and two in five employees report that their manager encourages them to take time off when needed. So again, a lot of people
0: probably need to increase that. Need
2: to increase that yeah. significantly, right? And again, it comes to awareness. Forty-seven um, percent of employees know about their company's mental health services, but only thirty-eight percent would be comfortable using them. Hmm. So we're investing in employee assistance programs. We're investing in all these different programs, but only thirty-eight percent of people feel comfortable using that. And I think part of it is they're afraid that their employers are going to find out that they gave the EAP a call, right? To ask them a question or there's a concern they have, and you can use it for anything. And you know, something at work, something at home. So, again, what's interesting about these statistics, though, is you know this is this is. I know you guys are focused with education, so I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to come in to look at it. Absolutely, we're facing the exact same things in the corporate world right now. It's all about education, advocacy for people in mental mm-hmm. health. So thank you for what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that was going to be one of our questions, was what kind of trends are you seeing when it comes to mental health in, in the business world?
2: I am seeing, from my perspective in talking with our insurance broker, you're seeing more and more people that are caring about the organization they're working for, and what are they doing to address mental health, right? Mm -hmm. It's no longer taking a back seat. Mm -hmm. Employees care about this, and they're making job decisions based upon how employers are handling this. Are they being open about it? Are they addressing things? Um, Another aspect, you know, may mental health awareness. Yes. And it's a great opportunity for organizations to step up and say, here are resources that are available to you as an employee because mental health is important to us as an organization. So, I think you're going to start seeing more of that coming up. But in my mind, there needs to be a lot more coming.
0: I would say too and and just listening to you, Craig, and the experiences that, you know, I'm thinking about too, it has a lot to do with culture, right? And in the culture that you're creating if it's in if it's at your business, if it's in your school or wherever, but if you are putting, you know, putting emphasis on this part of it, I believe that your staff are going to feel more connected. They're going to feel more cared for. And that in itself is going to make them more committed to, you know, the place of employment, whatever that may be, if it's in the business world, education world, whatever. So I think that's so key. And yes, we need to focus on this and we need to keep pushing the envelope on this.
2: Yeah, culture is an interesting word, right? There's culture in schools, there's culture in organizations. Some people think culture is, hey, we have a ping pong table in our break room (laughs) or a foosball table, so our culture is awesome, right? (laughs) Um, Perry Hedrick said that culture is how you feel today about going to work Hmm. tomorrow or going to your organization of employment tomorrow. And I think that resonates, right? It's like, what are your feelings when you're outside of work about where you're going? And the impact you're making. So I think culture. I mean, a lot of times, again, people think culture is just, hey, we have, you know, free snacks in the break room, <laughs> right? Right. Um, <laughs> it's way more deep than that. We could have a whole another episode oh, on on culture.
1: Culture,
0: yeah, yeah, and just the the depth of it. You know. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like happiness and contentment, right? Happy is is what you feel in the moment because you got a new toy or something, um, but contentment is a much deeper um,
0: sense of 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 who you are as a person. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to switch it up a little bit, and we're going to talk social media. And I know this is a topic, Craig, that uh, you and I have had some conversations uh, just as friends uh, about. And then I want to get into where Kevin and I have been dipping our toes in a little bit with this chat GPT and the AI. And it's kind of blowing our minds a little bit right now. Uh, just on the stuff that we've been um, seeing, the artificial intelligence there. But let's start with social media, just the social media platforms. So, Craig Dexheimer, what platforms are you on? Who do you follow? And then are you staying up to date with it?
2: Yeah, good question. And I would say the number one social media conduit that I have right now is LinkedIn. Okay. I use LinkedIn all the time related to networking, connecting with people, posting content the second would be instagram and for me it's a great way to track my concerts i love to be able (laughs) to show what what i always i have the spreadsheet at home kevin where i (laughs) i have know exactly who i went to the show with who opened how many times i've been to that venue did i get a guitar pick or a (laughs) drumstick from there right anything unique that maybe happened at the show uh, but I use Instagram for that, but also it's a great way for me to just connect with people, and I love sunset pics and sunrise pics and just and pics about my family, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it's um, – but it's all about in moderation, right? So I love listening to your podcast. A lot of your presenters that you've had already have talked about that, the need for moderation. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. I mean, because you can very easily get stuck in the scrolling, going down the rabbit hole. Next thing you know, you've watched 15 <laughs> TikTok videos and it's like, okay, that was 30 minutes of my life. I'm never going to get back, right? So I uh, Instagram, from that standpoint, Facebook, to keep up with people's birthdays yeah, and things mm-hmm. of that nature, right? Um, but I just, there's different desired outcomes for me as it relates to each one of those. Um, I don't have TikTok. I do watch your TikTok videos, which is, which is awesome. Um, and then also Snapchat. And I have Snapchat because that's one of the easiest ways for me to connect up with our two boys, mm-hmm. one who's a junior in college and one who's a senior in high school. So mm. what's interesting about Snapchat, I don't know a lot about it, and my boys will remind me of that when I <laughs> ask them how to do something on Snapchat, but just this week, hot off the press, there is this new thing on Snapchat that says oh. My AI. Mm-hmm. And apparently, what it does, uh, you can't get rid of it right now, but what it does is it helps answer questions based on the way you've answered questions before. And it's almost acting as you as an AI individual. And what's very interesting. And a little bit scary is I just saw a police department did a test with this recently, this week. And they asked my AI in Snapchat, and they showed pictures of the screenshots. They said, where am I located? And my AI responded and said, I, I'm sorry, I don't have that information. I don't know. And then it said, what's my address? And they said, you know, sorry, we don't collect that information on you. And then they said, well, what's the nearest McDonald's to me? And it said it's 1.5 miles from that <laughs> location. So you have to use extreme caution with these things. And I think as a parent with younger children, I think you really have to be watching what's happening in social media. Um, Chat GPT, another thing that's, it's going to change the landscape of technology. Mm-hmm. It's going to change the way we do business. It's going to change the way we educate, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. right? I saw Kara Levin did a recent study about Putting all the tests for law school and chat GPT, and it came out with what 70% passing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You could get a law degree from the U of M by just putting your information on these test questions into Chat GPT. Mm-hmm. So teachers, educators, I see are changing the way they're asking questions and tests. Uh, it's gonna change the environment of the world forever. And People, some people say, I don't want, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. It's kind of like saying, well, is the internet going to work? Right. Right. That's
0: right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We've, we've said the same thing about this and, and uh, Kevin and I recently have just started dipping our toes in this and from, from a true principal standpoint, but then also just from our own, our own personal standpoint. And then we're dealing with it from the school side of it because what we're finding is, and I've talked to my own kids in college and in high school, how easily it is just to write a paper. And boom, it spits out in seconds, and then you can make some modification or changes, and you turn it in. So those are the, those are the challenges that we're going to be facing in the education realm of how do we continually educate students so they're actually learning the material and being able to grow with it rather than just dumping it in and getting something out. so Because you need that connection. To, to learn something, you need those synapses firing and neurons, all that stuff connecting so you're learning material. But if you're not learning it, that, that's, where, that's where we're going to have to have the conversations in the educational realm of how do we um, get that. We're, we've, we've driven so hard on technology, and we've said, go, 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 go with it, and I think it's great. I think there needs to be a pause. This is me personally you now. There needs to be a pause of this and say, whoa, let's I mean, we've given everybody uh, you know, a Chromebook or an iPad, mm-hmm. everybody's got access to it all the time. But maybe in the education realm now, we gotta take a look at how do we pause this a little bit and bring this back or shift it, I don't know, or have more conversation about it, how we can figure this out. Yeah,
1: there's the logistical side of it, right? Like like you said, how do you how do you make sure that the kid is actually Uh, learning the material but then there's the there's the human side of how do we have conversations like you just mentioned with the students of hey you have this tool that can give you exactly what you need and it looks great on paper but how do you get them to have the the self drive and the internal motivation Mm -hmm. to want to learn the material and that that's a
0: bigger conversation right i mean that's difficult how do you see it going to uh, impacting just the the business world?
1: Yeah, I
2: mean we are looking at it right now. We had a couple of meetings this week where that was an agenda item and how do we address it? One thing that I think is extremely powerful is there's a tool that we just learned about that can scan all of your organization's emails to get the vibe and the content of what type of interactions are you having with your clients, Hmm. which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it can put them into three different categories. One would be a green positive that's Mm -hmm. a positive interaction with these clients, neutral, and then negative, right, depending on the tone of the words that are being used in the email interaction that's going Mm -hmm. back and forth. Extremely powerful. Here's the catch. Data privacy laws... Especially in Europe right now, there's a whole bucket of actual compliance elements as to can they allow, can systems allow organizations to be sharing that data when it's private data, but it could be encrypted or it could be mixed. And it's one of those things. It's just it's so hot off the press that's interesting. Um, I was at a conference earlier this week that said over the next three to five years, AI is going to be the leading number one cause of litigation and lawsuits coming across due to data privacy concerns. And you are going to see every state right now in the U.S. is looking at data privacy. You know, there was HIPAA, right, mm-hmm. with all yeah. the health yeah. care and, and that information. A lot of it now comes down to just personal data. And California has what's called the CCPA. New York has the SHIELD Act. Every state is going to start coming down with these different aspects and it's going to throw a wrench in things as it relates to these cool tools where you can get a sense for how are we interacting with our clients from an email perspective? So it's there's there's a lot to learn mm-hmm. in related in relation to this. But I do think, you know, one thing we're looking at is how many new jobs is AI and Chat gonna create,
0: right? And how, how many is it gonna
2: take away? Yeah. And it's still early to tell, but I mean, businesses have to evolve. They have to, same with education, yeah. right? Um, how do you get your students to make sure they're getting the education so when you hand them their diploma and they are ready to conquer
0: the real world? Yeah, right? what are the skills that they have that, to be able to go do that? I know, and that's, yeah, that's... Uh,
1: it's scary, it's scary. Does does the does the diploma actually, is it a strong representation of, of what they actually know and what they're capable of? You know, because this stuff is... Uh, pretty powerful.
2: It really is. And it kind of gets to change. And we talk about change in our organization all the time. And you have to be changing. You have to be evolving. Same thing in education, right? Mm-hmm. I bet you it's very different from when you first started mm-hmm. in the school system and mm-hmm. education to where it is now, right? And what we talk about is if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevancy even less, right? Mm-hmm. So same thing, chat GPT AI, it's here. We just have to understand how we can harness it and utilize it in the best way possible. Well, and
0: I think what you said earlier, Craig, it's kind of like when the internet came out, right? The, the World Wide Web, and people were like, well, what's this, and why do we do this? Or even the cell phone, right? Well, if you, you're you going to have to learn. you're gonna, We're going to have to figure this out. We're going to have to learn it and figure out how we're going to interact with it and how it's going to interact with us and our businesses and our schools and all that other stuff. So, again, really... Uh, interesting stuff that we'll continue to have conversations on, and maybe we'll have to um, check in with you at another time down the road, and maybe we'll bring this back, and it'll probably be different. Yeah, at that point, because
1: I can see I can see this stuff, you know, being utilized obviously in a very different way depending on your environment. And in the business world, I mean, I don't live in the business world, but I can see. Man, there's probably a ton of systems that you could maybe automate or make more efficient. Um, you know, and that just lends itself to increased productivity and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. On this
2: conference I was on this week through On Conference, there was an individual who's the president and CEO for a media company that was asking their individuals, they've provide content from a marketing perspective that's what they do for their organization and they did a check on chat gpt looking at case law and some case studies and it came back with cases that never even existed so to the point of as people are using chat gpt there's a lot of metadata that needs to be refined and, yeah. and looked at and researched and enhanced but Again, you don't want to just plug in this information and then rely on it 100% without doing your due diligence and checking
0: on it. So, It's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know uh, one of our next guests that we're going to have coming up, um, Josh Miller, who graduated with E and, and Blake. he That's what he wants to talk to us about is this whole chat GPT from uh, his side of things and his entrepreneurial side and his business stuff. So it's going to be really interesting to hear from it from a 21, 22 year old, you know, when here mm-hmm. we are sitting around, um, but it'll be really interesting to see. Cause it, it will be changing. You have, you have kids that are, that are in college or going to graduate just like I do What's their life going to be like? And I'm sure our parents thought that too when sure. email came out, right? And the internet, well, what's it going to be like? So again, just being there, supporting it, probably just continually educating yourself about it is probably going to be the number one thing. Knowing what it is, how to, you know, you, you might not interact with it every day, but knowing what it is. So you at least have a little bit about that. So Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit.
1: Let's move into uh, work-life balance. Uh, you sound like you have an extremely busy job. <laughs> <You> <laughs> probably wear lots of different hats. So I'm very curious. One of the things we talk about with our guests is work-life balance. It's one of the things that we kind of, um, you know, talk a lot about and, and what we're passionate about. How do you balance your personal? Uh, life and work. What advice would you give others about balancing uh, being a dad, a husband, a friend, um, going to 153 concerts? How do you do that? <laughs> Where do you fit that in? Um, what's taking care of yourself look like? Like all that stuff, routines. How do you do it?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. <laughs> Are you taking drugs? No, I'm not. I'm
2: just actually. Kidding. <laughs> it's in my mind, it's about being intentional, about carving out the time that you have, we all get the same amount of time every day, right? Yeah. Every one of us, you know, from Elon Musk to Steve Jobs to whoever, it doesn't matter, everyone has the same number of minutes in the day. And it's about being intentional about carving out the time. And I know several of your previous guests have talked about being present in the moment and just, you know, focusing on the task at hand and doing what you need to do. For me it's about when I'm at work, I'm at work and I'm focused and there's you know I have a list of desired outcomes for the day that I need to accomplish for the day, for the week, for the month. And some days you wake up and something happens at work and something changes and you need to you need to adjust, and you need to pivot. But it's about being intentional and about making sure you have time carved out when I get home and I I can say during the pandemic, it was difficult because at that time you're working from home. It was hard to have that separation because I could walk upstairs from downstairs and check in for dinner. And then I'd go back downstairs and check in on email. It was just, it was there all the time. So having that separation, I think is critical. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's about, you know, a lot of, for me, what gets into what drives me is just making sure that I'm on my game when I'm on my game at that time. So, for example, two boys. I look back now, Jason. <laughs> you know, Blake and yep. E. They're juniors in high school. They're almost ready to graduate, and then they're out. They're on. They're 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 headed out. And it that time went so fast, right? Yeah. Will, when he was born at one pound three ounces, I remember driving back and forth to the hospital. We went. You know, he's there 112 days at North Memorial Hospital. We, we put on mileage that would equate to going from Minneapolis to Atlanta to L.A. and back to Minneapolis in 112 days. Oh, That's how God. many times we were back and forth to the hospital. And I look back now, and he's going to graduate, right? Mm-hmm. It goes extremely fast, and you have to be in the moment. And a lot of that comes back to my six-word memoir, which hopefully we can talk about mm-hmm. that at some point, but it's about create memories that last a lifetime, and it's about creating those core memories and You know, last weekend we had a chance to go visit Ethan up at NDSU. It was a short period of time. We jammed a lot in, and it was awesome. But it's about having a plan and just being intentional about it and holding true to that.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And I would say, too, um, that's the the piece that I think that I'm finding out from listening to other guests or experts is that, you know, we can talk – about strategies for mental health strategies for physical health strategies for stress management strategies for um, leadership all that stuff but the challenging part of it is taking that into action and then really trying to find that work life balance because every it could bleed over into so many different things and like craig what you're saying is being able to be where you're at get that stuff done yeah you might have to pivot but then being able to step back and then go in with your kids or your spouse or whatever. And that, to me, is a challenge because is, is in lead, in leadership positions, doesn't matter what you're doing, a lot of things are coming at you and you're making decisions and you're thinking and you're always trying to be creative and how do you c- continue to create a culture? So you want to be in the moment, but yes, you're also, you're also trying to figure out how to make your either organization, your business, your school a better place to be. And then you also want to be a good spouse, a good dad. So that's probably the biggest challenge that I see and I'm hearing and just trying to figure out ways to do that. And so to to set aside the boundaries and priorities, that's key, but it, it's just practice and practice and practice. So
2: Absolutely. And I think it gets to, Kevin, to your point earlier with all the different things that are going on. We all have a lot of different priorities and competing priorities and whether it's family or spouses or work or, you know, there's, there's, you know, Netflix, whatever it might be, right. There's a lot of things that are are trying to demand our time, but a lot of it comes down to, for me, when I first had kids, when Jess and I first had our boys, I was a stress case. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was a ball of stress. I would, I had chest pains. I went in for an EKG On September 11th, I was in the hospital when the, you know, the tragic terroristic, Mm -hmm. you know, things were happening in the U.S. I thought I was having a heart attack and it turned out it was due to stress and (laughs) the chest tightness and all those things. So at that point in time, I had a chance to connect with a therapist who was very impactful for me and... That, you know, we, we sat back and did a lot of, you know, what are ways for me to step back and relax and do things that are going to get my mind focused and relaxed? And that's where really a lot of it came down to is the music for me. And mm-hmm. I remember the therapist saying, when your mind is loud, turn the music a little louder. And for me, that resonated. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, it was like, okay. And there, it'll be dependent on what the situation is. I might be saying, I need to do a little bit of classical music today, right? I need to just really step back. I want acoustic. I don't want any any lyrics. Other times, I'm looking for more meaning in the poetry of the lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. It just depends on what's going on. So that was a very powerful aspect for me on balancing things with all the stressors in life. Was And again, music's not for everybody right right, right. Uh, it might be running you might find right. days where you're like you're just gonna run and keep running and you probably have a chance to clear your mind
1: right mm-hmm, and absolutely
2: what i love about your podcast is everyone has a little bit of a different recipe or mm-hmm. what they need for mm-hmm. them that's going to be successful for them right and by bringing on different guests you're you're getting a whole different spectrum of different ideas that people can use and practical ways that they can, become a better person become a better you and yeah. I think from that standpoint it's it's very powerful and for me it was it was music and it's a chance for me to I love that to do that, the thing of it is now I have to bring earplugs to concerts because I'm getting older and I don't want to lose my hearing. So when I when they say turn up the music a little louder, I sometimes have to suppress that a little bit because I want to save my ears. Yeah, that's but.
1: good. I think the other interesting thing too about you know I, I can't remember who it was, Jason, but earlier in this process, one of our guests talked about uh, balance and how they didn't really like the word balance. Oh, yeah, I can't remember who it was, but and I kind of get it because I think I think with the idea of trying to have work-life balance, I think we also get down on ourselves when we're unsuccessful. So like, you know, you think of the word balance, you think of, you know, a teeter-totter, you're trying to get it parallel all the time, every day, every, you know, and that's just not reality, right? Right. It's not going to happen. There are going to be moments in your life where things are, you know, the competing uh, priorities are taking precedence for maybe a week or two at a time. And so being able to have enough you know, grace with yourself and and acceptance of that, mm-hmm. I think is also one of the um, components that makes it difficult to say, oh, I have work-life balance because I wasn't perfectly balanced every day this week. And I think it's okay
0: to not, you know, to not have that. Oh, totally. And the word that you just said there that I think resonates with me and resonates with a lot of people is just grace, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have grace. I mean we're going through this life and trying to do the best we can and trying to be the best versions of ourselves. But he also let's step back and just have a little grace, little, yeah. little care and compassion and, and and do that. Can I, I just want to just ask one fun cause I listeners out there, COO global tax network. I, I want to know like, what is the COO? What's your routine in the morning? What's your routine at night? Just cause there's, other leaders out there that probably like, God, he's got a lot of stuff going on, but what is Craig's, what's Craig's morning routine? And what's your evening routine look like? And maybe you don't have a routine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, for some right. people, they that might is not. their routine. Yeah. They don't have a routine.
2: Well, First off, I make my bed. <laughs> One of the first questions you guys asked. And I we launched appreciate the podcast. that. Yes, a great question. But no, I do make my bed every day, and um, or my wife will I'll make. I'll make my side, and she'll make hers when she gets up. You know, I I try to get up about six thirty every day. Uh, right now, and it, it's been it changes. It's evolved over time. But I would say now with Will, he's a senior in high school. I like to at least get up, wish him well. I'll head out, you know, have a great day, chat with him for five minutes yep. before he heads out to go to Maple Grove Senior. Then I'll, uh, during the summer, spring, and fall, when it's nice, I'll get out, take, I'll take a walk. I'll try to get four to 5,000 steps in a day before 7 o'clock, 7.15, if possible. In the winter, what I would do is I'd go to crunch, and I would hit a treadmill, or I would do some very light lifting of weights, just, just again, to get the energy yep. flowing. Yep. Uh I'll also check my email, right? Mm-hmm. I like to know what what's in store for the day, what, what's sitting in my inbox that I need to address and reprioritize. So I'll do that. Sometimes I'll do that when I'm on a walk. I'll just check on my phone and just scan through it just to look. Then I'll head back, uh, grab breakfast. Usually it's an apple or something. It might be some oatmeal, right, something light, and then head into the office. I've been heading in the office you know, between three to four days a week, other days I'll uh, work from home. The nice thing about our environment is, you know, you I could do my job right here from this beautiful studio at Healthwise, um, or I could be in the office. But uh, head in, tackle the day. Every day is going to be a little bit different, right? There might be some fire drills. Might be working on some winning some new new client <laughs> opportunities, and then head home uh, again. Grab dinner. Jess is a great cook. Uh, she is probably cooking eighty percent of what we have for, as a family. Uh, when it's up to me, I know you ask a question like what's your go-to meal, <laughs> right? Um, one of those things is uh spaghettini, which is a palomino Sp- recipe. I've never if heard you guys of that. remember Palomino downtown, it's no longer there. It was a nice restaurant right by Rock Bottom Brewery there off Hennepin. Um, that's you know, I'll make that, but that's a that's kind of a putsy involved. I love to cook. Usually Sundays are my are my days to cook because Jess works on Sundays. Um, but then at night, it's about relaxing. It's, I'll again, take a look at what do I need to do tomorrow? What are the top three things, you know, any big meetings that I need to prepare for? Uh, the last couple of weeks at night, I've been looking at my notes for the Two Principles podcast <laughs> to get prepared for this, right? I think that's part of being uh, an Eagle Scout. I was an Eagle Scout, and one of the, you know, the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is just, for me, I'm less stressed when I feel like I've got Everything set to go, right? Last yeah. night, we went to a movie. We saw Air. If you haven't seen oh, it yet, I've I would strongly that, recommend it. In fact, Phil Knight was sitting on his desk with his shoes off. Principal, just like you just over there. Just like me right now? <laughs> yes. Phil Knight, right? Founder of Nike. Um, but I, you know pull up the address. Where am I going? What am I doing? I'm going to sleep better knowing that I'm prepared for the next day. So that's really what it comes down to. And then in the late evening, uh, Jessica and I might watch a show, right? We're uh, Ted Lasso, Succession, just something that's an hour just to get our minds off of the real world and just to escape for a bit. I got to tell
0: you, Kevin, so talking about Ted Lasso here, so Craig has um, for the last several years been part of where you just came out of your busy season, by the way, you know, the tax season, right? right. Just coming out. And so we've had conversations and we were going to try to get Craig on earlier, but it just didn't work because of obviously the tax season. But so Ted Lasso, here's the guy. I wish I had the pic. I I do have the picture. We should, I would love to show that picture, but tell us about Craig, your thing that you do at work. Cause I think that's a good uh, culture climate thing that you do where you grow your beards or your hair, (laughs) and then you guys... At the end of the tax season, you cut yourself into a a, a character, and this guy did Ted Lasso. Oh, really? He nailed it. He nailed Ted Lasso. So (laughs) I'll show you the picture. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us about that.
2: Yeah. Well, this was our tenth year running for beards and braids for
0: busy season, and 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 it's
2: it started more as a let's do something fun and different and unique during busy season when. Our team is, you know, it's high stress, yeah. high pressure deadlines. Clients are asking for data. So we said, let's just do something fun and let's just have the guys grow beards and the gals did braids. And then on the last day on tax day, well, the guys can shave it into a mustache for fun. And, you know, then we'll do a big company wide Zoom and show pictures and people vote. And, and then we said, well, why not raise money for charity? So yeah, this year we raised $5,000 for the International Rescue Committee. Uh, really focused on the earthquakes over in Turkey to try to give okay. money back. But it's evolved over the years, and it's become quite the uh, quite the deal. Last year, I was Freddie Mercury. I've been Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Tom Selleck. <laughs> Let me tell you what, Kevin. Yeah. The shorts I yeah. was wearing for the Tom Selleck photo, <laughs> and we went to Psycho Susie's for a photo op, and my wife was like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah let's not show let's we'll not have show to get the listeners those, those pictures, but Maybe yeah, they're this they're year they're was Ted Lasso <laughs> and, <laughs> that's awesome. um, it was funny <laughs> because during during the presentation at GTN, there's a Zoom call, and you have to explain to people why Do and, and Principal Paras is now showing that, showing the picture. That's you? Yeah,
0: that's him. He nailed it. No yeah. way. I told you, he nailed it. So, oh, my gosh. So, uh, listeners, if you listen, you can go to uh, Dexheimer21 on his Instagram account, and you can check <laughs> you out. You have to put that on the website. Uh, yeah, no, You can check out the picture there. but um, That is amazing. I, w- I want to find the one, though, <laughs> of Selleck. We can put that one on. We'll there. keep that one off the uh, the global web right now. But oh. let me
2: tell you, we had our our party at Brick and Bourbon in Maple Grove on Tax Day, and you know that's how I show up. Yeah. And I tell you, to get I'm driving over there to Brick and Bourbon, and you stop at a stoplight, and you look over, and the person looks and does a double take, and they're like, you just kind of give a Ted Lasso <laughs> wink or a wave, and you know, and coach, oh, I don't think we're awesome. in Kansas anymore. That right? Is awesome. it's like, <laughs>
0: Uh, that that is i mean that's spot on yeah, it is. i it's mean a, that's that's ridiculous nailed it hey that's oh, awesome hey geez. let's uh let's, let's speak it let's kind of continue the conversation because i want we want to talk about leadership and i think this is where you can talk a little bit about the six word memoir but really it, what does leadership mean to you and how are you building and sustaining uh, a positive culture uh, where you're working and then i want to get into uh some of the challenges and the burnout part of that, but just what does leadership mean to Craig Daxheimer and then how you building that or how you building that to sustain a positive culture? Yeah, great
2: question. A lot of it goes back to when I met coach John Wooden mm. in 2001 mm. when he was here for the final four. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my favorite readings and books are written by coach John Wooden, the pyramid of success. Make each day your masterpiece, right? Be quick, but don't hurry. Those are some great books that really have shaped me as who I am as a leader. And a lot of it comes down to what are we doing? What am I doing to create new leaders, right? Because I think a lot of times people think, oh, you're a leader because you are an assistant principal, or you're a leader because you're an executive at an organization. And it's like, well, there's elements of leadership that tie to that title and your role and your responsibility. But there's a quote by Sue Hockey. She's a local EOS implementer. And EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system. And that's the system that we use for our meeting rhythms. And what do we do for driving our business and setting goals? And it's, it's a great program. Uh, and Sue Hockey says, Um, She's got a great quote, and I want to pull that up because it's important. She says, you're not a leader until you produce another leader who produces another leader. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So if you step back and you think about that responsibility Mm -hmm. as a leader, right? It's like, so now I'm constantly thinking about, okay, who am I developing Mm -hmm. on my team? And what are they doing to develop others on their team Mm -hmm. to make sure you're continuing to spread that leadership Vibe out. And it's, it's, then it becomes much more difficult. And it's a much more different lens you're looking at leadership through because it's not just about, well, I got a title. I was promoted to this title. So I'm a leader. It's like, well, mm, not necessarily. Right. It's like, what are you doing mm-hmm. for professional development? What are you doing for your team to get them advancing in their career? What are they doing to advance others? And I think that's a really powerful aspect. And mm-hmm. that's, in my mind, that's kind of the mantra of leadership is, how am I continuing to develop leaders who are developing more leaders? Mm-hmm. It also ties to that six-word memoir, and it's something that I would encourage anyone who's listening to kind of step back and think about. It really is your, your north star, your your driving principle, your why. What drives you? And what a six word memoir is, is it's really a summary of your life. And what is, what's your desired outcome? What's your legacy that you want to leave? When someone thinks about Kevin Jost or Jason Parris or anyone listening, it's like, what do they, how do they relate to what you are as a person and what you're going to do? What's your legacy you're going to leave behind? And, there was an exercise that I went through to go through this process, and sometimes people will say, well, it's your two-word purpose, and that's another way to look at it. It's like mm-hmm. what two words define who you are as an individual? And for me, what really resonated was this six-word memoir, and it's a process. It's an iterative process where you take notes, you think about it. If you Google search it, there's websites all over that can help, help you do that. But it really helps you shape what are the six words that drive you as a person, and mine is create memories that last a lifetime, mm-hmm. and that's memories for me, but it's also memories for others, mm-hmm. and that's a lot. You know, this beards and braids for busy season, ten years now, people will still talk about. Oh, I remember when you were <laughs> Colonel Sanders three years ago, or how did you shave that money mustache into your into your cheeks, and you know, just different things, and a lot of it is about. People smiling and the energy and just, you know how there's people that when they walk into a room, they bring in energy and there's others that maybe pull energy out, right? To me, it's about those memories. It's about nine years ago, my 40th birthday party when Jason and Becky came dressed as Ken and Barbie because it was an (laughs) 80s. Where's that
0: picture. Hey, I'm not showing that picture though. (laughs) It's
2: an 80s theme party. Uh, But people still talk about it today. And to me, that's what it's about, right? It's about, it's my personal life. Uh, Last weekend, we were up at NDSU talking to Ethan, you know, having lunch, and we were talking about one of our family excursions that we did, I don't know, five years ago, and he goes, that's a core memory. And that, to me, that's what this is all about. It's a right, I want my family, my friends, anyone who I come in contact with to have a positive core memory that they remember, whether it's about something that we did, raising money for the March of Dimes, raising money for the International Rescue Committee. It's just that's what drives me. So I'd encourage people to put some thought down on yeah. that. It's, you don't just write down six words and like up, oh, that's my six-word memoir. Yeah. But a lot of it comes down to uh, what drives you, what's your North Star? What's gonna be your driving compass? And it actually is kind of cool. It's a cool exercise because it really helps define who you are as an individual, as a person, as a leader. And I have it written on a, it's actually on a rock uh, that I have in my office, uh, Create Memories That Last a Lifetime, and it's there, and I see it every day. And it's like, am I doing something for our clients, for our people, our teams, uh, that's going to help, you know, it's going to, to culture, it ties to culture, is it, am I doing something today that's going to make people want to come back tomorrow, all these different things that are just kind of continuously going through my mind. And that's that six word memoir piece. I love it. And that's, that's maybe
0: something we could even put in the show notes as well, too. Absolutely. I want to switch gears a little bit because a lot of, a lot of the conversations Kevin and I will have with other leaders or even just just folks in general, I don't care if it's teachers, if it's just other professionals, but they talk a lot about they're burnt out and they're tired. Right. And they just, they're at that point in their life and they're, they're just dealing with all sorts of things. What type of advice would you give to folks that are dealing with that feeling of burnout and stressed out, and I don't know if I want to do this anymore? What type of advice would you give to those folks?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of it comes down to we only get one resume, we get one LinkedIn profile, right? Right. So if you're at a point in your career or your life where there's something that's a negative energy drain or it's it's causing you significant angst in your personal life or your professional life, it's time to make a change. And whether that means going to get guidance from a counselor, right, someone who can give you a different perspective, that different lens, that different angle, right, and that it's okay to get that different perspective, Um it's a matter of stepping back and saying, is it, your, is it your job? Is it your job that's draining? I think se- stepping back and looking at what's the root cause, where is it coming from? And sometimes it's hard to, to determine mm-hmm. where that's coming from. And you need to really step back and assess and think about it. But again, if it's something in your personal life or your career... If it's causing you that much angst, then it's time to, in my mind, to step back and make a change and do something different. Because again, we get one resume, you get mm-hmm. one LinkedIn profile, and it's about being okay with change. Again, like mm-hmm. I said, if you you know, you know don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the the finding the root cause is the key because I think a lot of times, I mean, I've felt burnt out before. I got an education late in life. I was 30 by the time I became a teacher. Um, and I think oftentimes people that are feeling burnt out, it's hard to know. Is is it the job? Is it something else in my life? Um, right now, maybe I'm feeling it. Um, you know, the job is stressful, but it might not be the job. It might be something else. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the, the angst that people have is, you know, do I walk away from this job just to find out that, I'm still struggling. <laughs> it wasn't the
0: job, and so, yeah, I think
1: it's a, it's a very complicated topic.
0: Oh, it is and but at the same time though, sometimes it might be you need to make a change. Yep. and I think you it, it's easy to be stuck or spinning and mm-hmm. banging your head against the wall over and over and over again, but at some point you're gonna have to say, listen, I got to I gotta try something different. And that could be, Kevin, to your point, it could be, or, or Craig, what you said, maybe I need to go check in with a the therapist. Yeah. And maybe I need to go start doing something different in my physical life, my emotional life, my mental life, my spiritual life. Maybe it's just doing something different to see what that is. Because if it is the root cause that it is your job, well, then, yeah, you can make yeah. a change.
1: If you don't know what's broke, you're not going to be able to fix it, right? Yeah, that's right. So that's right. And that
2: one point I just want to make on that is it, sometimes it's difficult as a person to assess your own faults Absolutely. or where do I have faults, and that's where I have a concept of this uh, personal board of directors, mm. right? And I don't broadcast who my board of directors are. I don't necessarily even tell them who they are, but these are individuals. It ranges between five and six depending on what's happening where I will bounce ideas off of, well, I will get their feedback. Sometimes I'll say, this is confidential. I want your perspective. It's Mm -hmm. a a personal life coach. It's someone that you trust. And over the course of, from college until now, my personal board of directors has changed based Mm -hmm. upon people who I've met or people that I, you know, or different things that have happened in my life than any perspective on. But I think that's a good way to get to the root cause is because sometimes you can sit and think all day long, but when you get a different outsider's perspective, they can really shed light on what needs to change for you. So, again, I'd encourage people to put some. Again, you don't broadcast who your personal no. board of directors are. These are people that you rely on. They're your vaults. They're your people that will you can trust, that you can take information to. And they can help you answer some of those difficult questions. And sometimes you need that outside third-party mm-hmm. counselor as well to provide perspective. That's great. It.
1: That's great. That kind of moves in to this next question. Um, Role models. You mentioned it very early into this episode um, that there's been some significant individuals in your life, but we always love to ask this question because I think it's such an important um, piece of information about who we are as people. I I think we all have people in our lives that have kind of helped shape us and, and, and kind of move us in a certain direction. So I'm just curious for you, who is that?
2: Yeah, I would say to start off, it's my parents. My dad worked for 35 years as a phone man, climbing Mm -hmm. telephone Mm -hmm. poles and out in the cold and just work ethic, right? He taught me it's important to work hard and hard work is going to pay off. And my mom was really the person that taught me to have an attitude of gratitude. It was about Mm -hmm. how to, you know, giving back and really just making that experience. She was one of those people and is to this day, a person that she walks into that room and the energy goes up. Mm. And to me, that's important. And she just taught me about the creativity and just you know be true to yourself. And uh, so I owe a lot to my parents there. Uh, along the way, I've had a chance to work with some great people at the golf course. Um, there is an individual who now owns his own go- golf course in Northern Wisconsin, who I worked for as a caddy. Mm. Um, We Our group gets together every other year for a golf outing called the Bag Room Brawl, and we get back (laughs) together and we tell stories. But that individual was my first, I would say, boss at the golf shop, and he taught me so much about customer service and the need to build relationships with people. And that, to this day, I'm still leveraging and using that when I'm trying to develop other leaders is just the importance behind building relationships. Um, And then I would say, again, Coach Wooden, Um, I've had a chance to coach basketball and sports for almost 15 years now. I'm going to be retiring now that Will is graduating. (laughs) But I carry around in my wallet, you know, a signed autograph card from John Wooden that has his pyramid of success on it. I have it right here. And um, making the most of oneself and his favorite maxims happiness begins where selfishness ends. If I am learning, I am, if I'm through learning, I am through, right? Mm -hmm, It's like, continuous learning, continuous development, make each day your masterpiece. Um, What is right is more important than who is right. And having the chance to have met him when he was here for the 2001 final four and sitting next to him and being able to pin his lavalier microphone on him (laughs) and get him ready for sound and to be able to present in front of, you know, 150 people was awesome. And I'd learned so much just in that three hour session, just sitting next to coach wooden. So it's, pretty impactful stuff. And to this day, I just can never lose my that's wallet cool. or I'll lose this, right? So.
0: Yeah, John Wooden, he has a lot of great quotes and things, uh, motivational uh, sayings and things that you can do. And uh, it's fantastic. And what resonates uh, with somebody might not resonate with somebody else, but it's that. But that's what's made you who you are and, and the people behind you with your mom and your dad and, and others. So that's really awesome. I want to just, touch gear or switch gears a little bit and you know we do talk a little bit about nutrition uh, just because I think nutrition is part of you know the things that we've learned on this show is sleeps, sleep's really important uh, some type of movement is really important um, some sort of uh, quiet time or meditation time or nature time or whatever is very important and then the aspect of um, you know nutrition and then finding things that you enjoy to do but Nutrition-wise, so what what what's your take on that, and what maybe what's going in your body, or how do you how do you look at that in your role uh, as a leader?
2: Yeah, great question. Subsequent to the Mayo Clinic study, we had a chance to be part of a Blue Zone study mm. with Dan Buettner.
1: Love that. And
2: <laughs> the Blue Zones book was something that our organization uh, followed very closely. Uh, it was very interesting to have worked with Dan over the course of about a year as it relates to his studies on centenarians and people yep. that live to be 100 and what are they doing and what are they putting into their body. And that is one of the focuses of, you know, the kind of that Mediterranean diet mm-hmm. and making sure you're looking at from a meat perspective is Cutting, you know, you can cut meat out entirely. I know, Kevin, Mm -hmm. you and your wife have uh, gone vegetarian or vegan. We're vegan. Vegan now, right? And uh, what Dan talked about was, you know, even if, part of the book in Blue Zones is even if you want to go out and celebrate and have a steak or have something, you know, don't go order the 96-ounce tomahawk (laughs) with the... You know, go out. Our next um,
0: guest does talk about that, by the way. That drops this Wednesday. Really? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's oh yeah. awesome. Yeah. He, yeah. He's lost. It, how many pounds has this guy uh, lost? He was, he was up close to 400 yeah. pounds. But anyway, yeah. keep going. There's yeah, a steak sick. story in yeah. there. That <laughs> okay, told. well, I'm looking forward to <laughs> yeah. hearing that.
2: And what Dan would say in his book is, you know, if you want to do that and you want to celebrate, have a piece of steak about the yeah. size of a deck of cards, Yeah. right? And that is something that... And it's about back to moderation, right? It's like social media. But a lot of what else uh, he talked about with Blue Zones was like, even when you're eating as a family, right? We used to, we would make everything and we'd put it all on the table and it's all right there. So it's a lot easier just to get your second and third helping. What Dan said was, keep it on the stove, right? Go eat in the dining room Mm -hmm. and you're less apt to keep filling your plate if you have to get up, take your plate, go into the kitchen and fill it up, and come back. So just little tiny helpful hints Yeah. uh, as part of that Blue Zone study, which was outstanding. And yet a lot of it comes down to just making sure, you know, fruits and vegetables and, again, Jess will make an awesome quinoa dish, uh, which I have never really (laughs) got into quinoa, and I'm starting to enjoy quinoa (laughs) now, right? Um, But really about less processed foods, Mm -hmm. right? I think that's the key. Yeah less sodium, all of those different aspects are really what we're trying to focus on. Uh, and it's helped. I mean, it's helped from the Mayo Clinic study to take 25 pounds off and to be able to keep and maintain that. But yeah, I would say the if you haven't read the book Blue Zones by mm-hmm. Dan Buettner, I would
0: strongly encourage it. Yeah, that is a great a great mm-hmm. book, great study. We need help on, uh, you know, Kevin and I, food's a big thing in our life. You know, we've, we've both lost our weight and, and all that stuff, but... He really needs help on the chips and salsa. Like, so you might need to take like four or five yeah. chips and put it there and put the bag away, okay, Kevin? You know, it's
1: funny. I'm going to tell a little story. <laughs> for those that, that have uh, heard me talk to them this week, so um, I got Invisalign this week, and I took them out for this. I was going to say, I can't, they, they're it, right. invisible. I can't but, see them. But <laughs> when you first walked into the studio, I was wearing them. And so I was, you know, I I, I can still tell I'm, I'm not speaking 100% accurately, so I took them out. But, but the point I want to make is... Man, you put those things in and you realize how much you snack (laughs) because I don't want to grab the handful of whatever that I'm walking, that I'm grabbing when I walk through the kitchen because I know I'm going to have to take them out. I'm going to have to brush my teeth. I'm going to, it's a process. So I am, I am shocked as to how much I was just habitually just eating food when I really wasn't hungry. Right. I mean, because I've been wearing them for four days now and I'm not I'm not starving. Right. I'm, I'm good. So, so do you it's just interesting. My point is you, you want th- me to get invisible. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had many chips <laughs> and salsa this week. But the point is, it, it's amazing how we get into these habits with food. Food is so connected to emotions and stress, stress mm-hmm. and routine. And and so, you know, speaking to the you know, I, I know quite a bit about the Blue Zone study and all that stuff. And, and it's just, yeah, for anybody that hasn't looked into that, it's just, it's amazing. Um, and so, I don't know, just thought that was connected there. a little. Oh, bit. absolutely.
0: It is. And, you know, we've talked about the, uh, you know, peanut butter that I throw in my mouth, <laughs> <with> about 42, <laughs> um, chocolate chips at the same time, you know, after a stressful day at work, <laughs> trying to figure it out, you know, but I'm being open, I'm being honest, but yeah, I think th- going back to, uh, all this ties into just the awareness piece of it, yeah. right? When you're aware of what you're doing, because sometimes it's that that uh, we've had guests on too talking about the numbness, right? Numbing yeah. out, Oof. absolutely. And when you're numbing out, you don't even know what you're doing, and the next thing you know, you've ate a whole bag of chips and a whole you know thing of salsa. Yeah. But being aware of, oh, I have this in my hand. I feel it in my hand. Oh, it is. Yep. So those are the those are just little things. So that's great. I love the advice there, and um, just continually learning about it too, right?
2: There's so much to learn, right? There's, uh, There'll probably be a new AI diet coming up, <laughs>
0: yeah. so stay tuned. Well, well, we could probably type it in right now, <laughs> and we can get one right now. Should we ask? <laughs> sh- <laughs> should we ask? <laughs> Punch it in the chat GPT and see <laughs> oh, what they say. Oh, man. The two principles is that what we'll do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, funny. Uh, did we talk a little bit about... Um, do you have any... Just really quick, too. Um, just as, you've talked about your mom and your dad, but just, you know, we have a lot of listeners out there that do have kids or maybe that they're young kids or they're in high school or whatever, but just, you know, you're a busy person and just advice now that you look back on and say to, to parents of like how, you know, what's some advice or tips that you would give to parents about, you know, raising your kids or being a dad or being a mom or. I would say don't rush things. Right. I remember,
2: when Ethan was born, I'm like, I can't wait till he walks. And then it's like, I can't wait till I can throw a baseball. And then I can't wait until he's, you know, off to school. It's like, slow it down, Mm -hmm. enjoy it while it's here, because it goes extremely fast. And then also back to the being intentional piece. If they have an event at school, if they have a sporting event or a play or whatever it is, carve the time out Mm -hmm. to go and see it and go and do it because it makes a difference. And you don't want to wake up when they're 18 or 21 and they're out of the house and you're like, I wish I would have done that. I mm-hmm. wish I would have spent more time. It's like in step back. It's hard. It's hard to balance all the different things in teaching and school and careers, all of these things. But the advice I would give is don't, don't not carve out the time. Make sure you're taking the time to be with them, to do the little things, because those are the things, again, that create those
0: memories that last a lifetime. So. I love it. We have two questions here that we're going to wrap up on, and these are kind of questions we've, we've asked all guests, but the first one here is just if listeners again are, are, are maybe wondering what does Craig Dexheimer uh, read or what, what podcast does he do? But what are, some of your favorite leadership and or health resources, you know, again, regarding books, podcasts, people, apps that you would suggest listeners to go check out?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. There's so much information out there, right? I'm biased, the Two Principles podcast. Actually, I love, that's part of my morning routine is getting up and listening to one ten drops. Yeah, no, um, but I love the perspective that you guys are bringing and the different ideas that people have. Right? When, I, when I attend a conference, if I can walk out of there with one or two or three, I would call them nuggets, or yeah. something that I can take and I can enhance what I'm doing, and that's what I look for as well is the different nuggets that you're providing to people to take and be able to make themselves a better you. And So from that standpoint, I would say other things. Uh, Darren Hardy is a daily email. It's called the Darren Daily email. It's inspirational, but it also talks a little bit about he has a video you can subscribe to. He's based out of Southern California, but he's a sales driven leader. And I use that for inspiration related to how am I going to start my day related to what's on the docket for today. So uh, Darren Hardy, if you Google search Darren, you'll be able to sign up for his newsletter. Uh, Cameron Harold actually uh, is the former COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I was part (laughs) of the COO Alliance uh, group that's he founded where you bring other COOs together around the country and he has what's called the second in command podcast, which is very interesting. Um, A lot of times a COO is going to be what's considered the integrator of an organization. And there's a visionary, right? There's a visionary that is uh, Dave Kolb, our founder. He's the one who's driving the firm forward uh, as it relates to strategy, things of that nature. And my job as an integrator is to work with him and synthesize what makes sense to integrate, what what, what do we have to maybe say not now, maybe later. And Cameron Harold's Second in Command podcast is great because it's a great way for, he gives you easy tools and um, little tactics that you can use, and it can be used as a assistant principal. It could be used, uh, you know, our, our new president, Eric, is reading the book as well right now, because it's a great way to see how you can work together uh, as an organization. It's 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 across all boundaries. It's, it's education. It could be business. So, Cameron Harold and the Second in Command podcast is one of those that
0: I'm checking mm. out as well. Cool, <laughs> love it. Check those out. Thank you. All right, final question
1: of the show. Um, we've got listeners out there right now taking a listen. They're maybe thinking about how do I transform my life? How do I make a shift? How do I move things? Move the needle in the right direction to improve, um, a certain area of my life. Um, it's a big question. You've already given a ton of tips and tricks, but what is one piece of advice that you could give a listener, um, that's finding themselves in that position that they could start tomorrow, maybe small.
2: Yeah. And I think it goes to, there's a saying, you know, look at the next step in front of you instead of the whole staircase, Mm -hmm. right? It is, it's starting small a lot of little make big, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Dave, mm-hmm. our president or our founder says. And a lot of it is just stepping back and take the time to do you, to to make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Because if you are not taking care of yourself, everybody around you is going to be impacted as well and it's not going to be good. So focus on yourself, You know, be intentional about making yourself better or doing things for you. And that's going to have a profound impact on all the people that you touch and that who, who you come into contact with. And I think a lot of times we get so caught up in, I have a to-do list of 400 things and I've got all these things to do and i got to take care of my kids and I've got to go and you know hit the play last night or whatever it is, there's mm-hmm. all these things. And sometimes you have to step back and just one step at a time. And it's really mm-hmm. about slowing things down grounding yourself, finding what's going to, you know, bring your energy level to something that is going to make you a better person and a better leader. And it's about don't overwhelm yourself. Take take those small steps, right? Focus on that next step, not the whole staircase. So it's all about um, and enjoy the journey, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's about those memories. Again, I go mm-hmm. back to that, but it's about this has been a great experience today, and it's something that will be a core memory for me is to be able to sit with you in this beautiful studio and um, talk to your listener base, and it's a, one of those core memories that I'll always remember and appreciate, and thank you so much for letting me be part, be a part wow. of this, guys.
1: It's fantastic. Uh, Absolutely That, that fantastic. leads us right into us thanking you. Um, Craig, this has been uh, fantastic to sit down and, and learn from you. Um, you know, <laughs> one of the things that's resonating with me is you know as we sit down with with individuals right here in our own mm-hmm. area we have amazing people oh <laughs> we answer. have amazing people that are that are living right in our community mm-hmm. that are making an impact that are contributing um and and so that's what i love that's so spreading good out in the world absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. and so um really you know we haven't met before you and i and so um i've cherished this this has been fantastic i I look forward to seeing what you do with your beard next year (laughs) um i I can't wait uh this is this is i really enjoyed this i've i've um taken a lot from what you've said and i know our listeners are too so um appreciate you sincerely for taking your time
2: well i appreciate you guys and what you're doing and how you're making people feel comfortable talking about things that maybe aren't always comfortable and that's what this is all about Mm -hmm. and I have learned so much from the two principles podcast since its inception. And I, I look forward to the journey and where it's going and how you guys continue to push the envelope on this and great job guys. This is what it's all about. So thank you for what you're doing Appreciate and giving it back.
0: Appreciate you bro. And, uh, again, Craig, I tell you, every time I talk to you, there's always another story or another nugget that I learn about you. And I am grateful for your time today. Grateful that I call you my friend and that you and I can, uh, this is the guy too, I've told you this before. When I want to go get a really nice bourbon. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, it you can't find in the stores. <laughs> you you get it from this guy right here. <laughs> well, we won't talk about that. But um, but no, Craig, seriously, truly appreciate you as a friend. Uh, I know our boys have grown up together. Uh, this was a lot of fun today. Um, and Kevin, like I like I said, you know, this may be uh Craig, we may have to call him back Absolutely. on to get some advice or all that other stuff. He may be one of those folks that will do that. But Craig, where can listeners find you? Like if they want to say, hey, I want to I wanna know more about Craig Dexheimer, where can they find you? And we'll put also put it in the show notes too.
2: Yeah, I would say connect with me on LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. And if you just go to LinkedIn and type in Craig Dexheimer, there are actually two Craig Dexheimers. Mm-hmm. I am not the one that works out in New York City for, <laughs> I think it was Lazard Asset Management. No, it's <laughs> Craig Dexheimer from Maple Grove, Minnesota with Global Tax Network. But yeah, I would love to connect up. There And again, part of this is is I'd love to be able to help in any way possible, especially for people that might be going through career transition mm. or job search. I love connecting people. I'm a connector and would love mm. to help out if anyone's like, hey, I see you know someone at this organization. Can you put a good word in for me or can you introduce me? I'd be happy to help out. So.
0: And then uh, Instagram, right? You're on Instagram? I'm on
2: Instagram, Craig Dexheimer. Yeah, Dexheimer21. So I'm out there. Again, post your sunset pictures or <laughs> Pictures of Pearl Jam or any of your uh, <laughs> concerts coming up, would love to follow you there. Yeah, Twitter too, so. right? You're on Twitter, Facebook. I do, yeah, yeah. Yep, I do have Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, Craig Dexheimer. So, okay. yeah, would love to connect up and we'll get all those in there. Yeah, that sounds great.
0: Awesome. Well, again, appreciate it, my friend. And with that, we out. We appreciate you hanging out with the two principals today as we continue on this journey towards a healthier and happier you, one step at a time, one conversation at a time. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate, review our podcast wherever you listen. And we are so grateful for your support. As always, please follow us on all of our social media accounts at Two Principles. You can find us on the web at twoprinciples.com. Questions for Kevin or myself, email us at twoprinciplespodcast at gmail.com.
1: As always, thanks for raising your frequency today and looking inward. Wishing you peace and happiness on your journey. Remember, a better you makes for a better today. It starts with you. Until next time, get out of your head and into your heart.